So as you can tell, we're in a real hurry tonight. In a hurry to get the saints out. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. You know, there was a, there was a season in my life. I hate to call it a season, but I, it's just a word I'm kind of grabbing. But 1998, um, 19, September of 1998, an outpouring of the Spirit broke out at a church that my wife and I were scheduled to preach in. And we were supposed to minister a Sunday morning through a Wednesday night. And the very first morning, I don't say this I say it honestly, the power of God just broke out. I mean, I mean, radical, strong power acts, power acts of God, demonstrations of God broke out. And I didn't know from that Sunday morning I would preach the next seven and a half months in that church six days a week and that tens of thousands of people would be impacted. I had no idea that that was being set up. And I say that to tell you, in that season, I, I, I slept about three to four hours a night. And my, if my wife was in the room, she would tell you, we would, we would leave the meetings at two, three, sometimes even four in the morning. And I would be vibrating in the bed under the glory and the power of God so strong. We would get in bed and the bed would just be shaking and trembling. I would still be under the power so heavy. I was just trembling. Then I would have to get up and get a fresh word from the Lord and go right back into the next day. Those were good times. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm hungry for revival. I'm hungry for awakening. I'm hungry for outpouring. I'm hungry for outpouring. After that time, after the Lord released us, the next several years, I was preaching about 300 times a year on the road from just California to the Carolinas. And uh, that's a lot. And something that I, something that very, very early on, I've been preaching now for over 26 years. And when I began to preach, I asked the Lord to teach me how to be his messenger and how to bring a fresh word from him. And when we would travel, I would go, my wife and I would go into different cities and we would walk before we started the meetings, we would just kind of walk through the city in obscure places and find places to pray and just begin to see what the Lord would say to us and be, how we would begin to pray. I would listen how we would begin to pray because the Lord was actually releasing the spirit of wisdom and revelation over us for a region. And then we would go into whatever church we were in to begin to preach
So I leaned into the Lord to ask him for a fresh word each day. And I did that again, knowing that this weekend, oh my gosh, oh, this is, oh. I had to get up early to do this celebration of life. And so last night I began to get before the Lord in our home and ask him for a fresh word like I always do. Guys, just so you know, I mean, if you're new to us, you know, we I'm not I'm not passing out stale bread. I'm always asking the Lord for fresh bread for the house. And so I asked the Lord for fresh bread last night. And and then I, I had about 25 to 40 minutes to try to put the finishing touches on it after the celebration of life after being with the family, trying to race back to get into our prayer meeting. And so um, how, hey, how you doing? And so I'll help her with the seat there. Just help her find a seat. So, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. That's a good seat. That's a good seat. I like that. Who else needs a seat? Is there anybody in the back that needs a seat? There's a few more open, and I'm serious. If you need it, just come and grab the front row. There's a few seats right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to try to preach this fresh word tonight. Revival's in the air. Catch it if you can. Revival's in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just lean into the Lord tonight. Enjoy the Lord tonight. Enjoy the Lord tonight. I am so dependent on the Holy Spirit. I mean that. I'm, I, I don't try to get too comfortable with preaching. I'm always looking for how the Lord wants to move and how he may want to bring a course correction or a, adjust me or adjust the meeting or maybe maybe we've went a, a, a wrong direction. He wants to know, let's let's swing this way. And that's not a negative thing. How many of you know that? That's not a that's not a negative. That's just a, that's a sensitivity thing. That's just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> If I dare tell you in the beginning what I'm about to preach to you, some of you would run out of the room. I want you to grab your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 1. And I want some of our intercessors just to pray for me the next two minutes. Just pray for me the next two minutes as I begin to move into this word. Romans chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul, while you're turning there, the Apostle Paul, he, he wrote the church to the church in Rome, and Paul understood this new Christian emerging church, this emerging ecclesia, those that were coming to Christ and being transformed. 
he understood the hostility of the Roman culture. Cody, I need to release you. You're just playing, and he's going to play all night. Tell, tell Cody you are released, and you are blessed, and you are loved, and you are loved. There you go. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, well, I'm getting, I'm getting going, and he's still playing. Let's release him. So anyway, Paul, I, I hope that you get very, very well acquainted with the book of Romans. Uh, eat the book of Romans, swim in the book of Romans, love the book of Romans, memorize the book of Romans. But Paul wrote this church and this ecclesia, which, which literally means when, when Jesus said, I will build my church, my ecclesia, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, what Jesus meant and what we think of church are, are they're just worlds and worlds apart. But Paul understood the hostility within the Roman culture and what it was going to actually require for the church to, to be a radiant, powerful witness at that time. Um, I, I also, when you look at the, you look at the writings of Paul, he, he understood that these Christians were going to have to come to grips or to come to terms with something. They were going to have to, it was required of them to have a high, high level of commitment and a high level or a standard of consecration to be able to really live for God and to keep their hearts burning in the midst of a hostile culture. I want to read to you Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 as we begin tonight. Are you there? I'm reading from the New King James Version, mostly tonight, and maybe a few other translations. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Let's read that one more time. When I, was, when I began journeying last night, this verse so leaped into my spirit, but I, it was like I was wearing different, um, uh, different goggles or eagle goggles and have, had a fresh perspective. These words suppress the truth really leapt off the page last night and into my spirit. For the wrath of God, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all godliness and unrighteous men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. How many of you have heard the statement, um, when in Rome, be like the Romans? How, how many of you have heard that statement? Well, in other words, there, there was an expectation on their society. There was, um, let, let's use a word that we're getting more and more familiar with that we can kind of grab to take hold of maybe what they were sensing, there, there was a mandate. There was an expectation. There, there was a demand on the society. If you're going to be part of Rome, then you're going to play the game the way we play the game, and you're going to roll the way we roll. It, it, was, it was a certain level of expectation. Are you with me tonight? Are you starting to roll with me tonight? Come on. Are you going to be with me tonight? Give me a few more amens, please. Okay. There was, a, there was an expectation. There was a mandate. 
There was a mandate. If you're going to be in Rome, then you're going to be like the Romans, because if you didn't play by the Romans rules, what you found out is you were going to pay the consequences. If you did not, you were going to pay and suffer the consequences. And so when I think about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is one of our mentors. You need to see that in this hour. When I open the, the, the words of life, when I open the scriptures that are sitting there in your hands and in your laps, these are my mentors. The Apostle Paul is still mentoring me in October of 2021. Is he mentoring you? Are you with me tonight? When you read Romans, what happens is Paul begins to mentor us in these things. It's a strong instruction and a strong education to the church, not only how to show the love of God and the love of Christ to those that don't yet know the Lord and how we're supposed to how we're supposed to respond to those who have not yet come to Christ. But then there's there's also another side, let's say, to the sword of Paul's preaching and teaching and education in Romans. And what he begins to tell us is there is a very straight and narrow path that you have to walk in the midst of a very wicked and perverse generation. Are you with me tonight? So we're going to hit Romans tonight primarily is going to be a, a lot of text tonight out of the book of Romans. But I want to start in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want you to go there right now. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's get into what God has to say to us tonight here at Victory. Can I hear an amen? amen. Paul writes now to us and he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times they will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Now, I, I don't want to... I don't want to hurdle over these words, perilous times. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down. <laughs> perilous times. What is he saying? Perilous. It means you're, you're going to actually begin to walk into a time that's very dangerous. You're going to walk into a time that is seemingly very, very painful or it's grinding times. Grinding times. It's fearful times. Barren, barren of virtue, a time that is that is full of vices. It's going to be a challenging time to believers because men are going to be so obsessed with what they have to have that they're going to demand what they have to have. Mankind will be so obsessed. He said they're going to be lovers of themselves. Now, understand that I'm just giving you language and and words for that lovers of themselves. It means that. They're going to demand their rights and their ways, and their way is going to be the only way. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Are you with me? Does this sound familiar? Does this actually sound familiar in the time that we're living in? There will be really even a time right now where people are trying to dethrone God from his rightful place. The Passion Translation, the same verse, it says this, you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. Put it in your notes tonight if you would. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. It says, as a man thinks, so is he in his heart. Say it with me. As a man thinks. That's right. 
I want to I give it to you like this. I'd like you to write it down. I want to say it to you this way. As a nation or a society thinks, so are they. As a nation thinks, as the way a culture thinks or a society thinks, so are they. The way that they think, they're setting up a wicked and corrupt culture completely opposed to the things of God. All things that are godly, opposed to even to those who call themselves by the very name, the chosen ones, the disciples, the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. This culture right now, ladies and gentlemen, in 2021, it's amazing what we are seeing. We are in a dangerous, dangerous zone of perpetual falling away from the Lord. Do you understand? They demand a free-for-all without any accountability. Are you seeing that? No one is going to tell them what to do. No one's going to tell them what to do. Uh, laws? No, we can change those laws, right? Uh, uh, God's commandments? Well, we, we can do away with those. We can hide those, right? Uh, God? Uh, we can mock God, uh, and they do it openly. Uh, uh, ab- abortion on demand? Oh, absolutely. We've got to have that. Marriage rights for homosexuals? Oh, yes. Indoctrinate the children without the parents even knowing what they're doing? Oh, we've got to have some more of that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They're demanding their rights, their rights, their rights. Why? Why? The answer is this, for their own self-indulgence. Hang on to me tonight. Stay with me tonight. This cancel culture movement would love to cancel Christianity. Do you know when President Trump told us over and over, they're not coming for me, they're actually coming for you. He was not lying and he was not wrong. He was a a reprieve of mercy and God's grace, holding the hand, steadying the hand so that judgment would not be imposed upon us like a tidal wave. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? When I think about this cancel culture, unfortunately, it really didn't take much for a lot of pastors and ministries in the United States to shut their doors and even keep their doors shut continually shut now seated right here in our very region churches are not allowing their people to in-house in-person services unless they have a vaccination card proving they've had at least one shot do you know that's going on in our southwest florida region of florida right now did you know that that's happening right now those cards are not in the lobby I want to tell you tonight that Rome tried to destroy Christianity. But I've got a really good history lesson for you that Rome completely fell and Christianity was absolutely unstoppable. And the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ kept burning and stayed alive and began to transform nations. Are you hearing me? The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is unstoppable. It cannot be contained. It cannot be contained. What a nation thinks about, that's who they really are. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, truly. As a nation thinks, 
How are they thinking? If you're asking the question tonight, I'm helping you ask the question tonight. How are they thinking? All you have to do is just really look at what's in the media. Look at the television commercials right now. Look at the social media ads. Look at the trends. That will, the trends will tell you this is what America's thinking about. The politics that they're thinking about. The sports that they're thinking about. The sex that they're thinking about. What you're supposed to wear is what they're thinking about. Whatever's trending. How many of you know there's also false trends too? With all the social media, you know, giants, you know, it's amazing how much they're trending Joe Biden. Ha <laughs> ha, boy, he needs it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I can't go there. I was about to say something, but I'm going to stay anchored right where I need to stay. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. How many, of you, <laughs> how many of you know the mind is the battleground? How many of you really know that? See, the mind truly is the battleground. They are warring and vying for your mind. They're advertising for your mind to yield. They want your mind to yield. They want your mind to surrender. Dare I say, they want your mind to be controlled. The battle is in the mind. See, see, God knows this. The, the church knows this. The church knows the battle is in the mind. God knows that the battle is in the mind. Also, Satan knows that the battle is in the mind. Socialism knows that the battle is in the mind. Marxism knows that the battle is in the mind. Are you hearing me? Communism knows that the battle's in the mind. Wow. The culture keeps trying to indoctrinate. If you ever look up the word indoctrinate, this is what it means. It means to teach a person or a group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. Wow. That means don't you dare oppose it. Whoa. We need sharp thinkers in this hour, ladies and gentlemen. Because if you oppose it, listen, if you oppose it, you're going to be called a bigot. If you oppose it, you're going to be called a homophobe. If you oppose it, you're going to be called, oh, well, let's just use this one, a basket of deplorables. <laughs> Everyone is vying for your mind. Vying, what does that mean? It means that they're competing for your mind. They're competing for your mind. They're contending for your mind. They're vying for your thoughts. They're selling for your thoughts, vying for your mind. They're vying for your values. They're vying over you to bring control because they desire for us to yield and surrender and bend a knee. I got to go back to this, this word in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Notice this is New Testament. Do y'all notice that? This is New Testament. The wrath of God. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. This is interesting. If you're taking notes tonight, suppress means this, to, to forcibly put an end to. Did you grab that? If you try to suppress something, what you're doing is you're 
forcibly trying to put an end to something. That's more than just trying to hide something. That's more than just trying to mock something or oppose something. Trying to forcefully put an end to it. Are you hearing me? Truth can never really be taken out. Truth is going to prevail, ladies and gentlemen. Truth is more glorious and more powerful over the darkness and evil. It will ultimately prevail. In the patience and the long-suffering of God, my goodness, the long-suffering of God, His ultimate truth will prevail over evil. You mark it down. When Paul wrote the Romans in Romans chapter 12 and verse 21, he said this. He said, I I want you to understand you are not to be overcome with evil. You are not to be overcome with evil, but you are commissioned to overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Can I get a praise the Lord in this house? Without the Holy Spirit. Now, this is strong, but I, I need you to take hold of this. Without the Holy Spirit in this age, in these perilous times, you are not going to be able to know what is the truth. Without the Holy Spirit in these perilous times, you're not going to be able to understand or take hold of or perceive or discern the truth. That's very strong. Many right now are falling away. How many of you know Satan is an angel of light? He'll tell you everything that you desire to hear. He'll change and distort and pervert the gospel so that you think you can do everything you want in the grace of God. All the while, you're on your way to hell. We have to be a people who's anchored, anchored, anchored in the Word of God. We have to be a people who stays very, very close to the Spirit of God because Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Now I'm jumping back to Romans 1, and you can go there with me. Romans 1, I'm still in the New King James Version. This is powerful. For the wrath of God, verse 18, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because... What may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, they were clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and His Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What is he saying? He's saying all you have to do is look at the powerful revelation of creation, and God has literally Put inside it the blue, the blueprint or the DNA map to say this is who God is in His fullness, even His Godhead. So that when they stand before the throne, they're going to be without excuse to say, I just didn't know. No, it's not, it, that's not going to pass the test. That's not going to p- pass the sniff test. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. I'm in verse 21. Nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools 
and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. I love where we started tonight that, that there's, there's only one living God. There is no idol. Are, are you with me? What we decreed and what we declared at the very start of this gathering, there is one true living God. There's no image or idols or... Come on. Come on. Praise the Lord. Therefore, this is strong language. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up. I want you to underline that or highlight that in your Bible tonight or write it in your notes. That's strong, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit that very strong tonight. Therefore, God also gave them up. Whoa. God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is forever blessed. Amen. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up. Wow, that is strong. God gave them up to vile passions. For even the women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use for a woman burned in lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. This is strong, strong language. For these reasons, God gave them up. I'm going there tonight. For these reasons, God gave them up. John 16 and 8. I need you to see this tonight. John 16 and verse 8. He said, when he, he is who? The Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin. Is that behind me? Can you all see that? The Holy Spirit, part part of his instruction from the throne, his divine assignment as God, is when Jesus commissioned him to the earth, he wasn't just commissioned to baptize them in the upper room with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He had a high-level portfolio. And listen to what it says. He says he's going to come and he's going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. If you keep going down a dangerous path, if you keep resisting the Holy Spirit, hear me, folks, listen, This kind of preaching will save your soul. This kind of preaching that you're hearing here at Victory will save your soul. This isn't a little cotton candy fluff for you. You need to be under a real word and a real anointing so you can move and live in the conviction of the Holy Ghost. You want to stay in the conviction of the Holy Ghost, brother. If you, if you disobey the Holy Spirit, if you resist the Holy Spirit, you can actually go to a much darker place. Whoa. A darker place where God gives you up. Now, some would say, well, God would never do anything like that. God is a God of, of great grace. Make no mistake about it. He is a God of great grace. And let the church say amen. 
Some would say that no, God couldn't make you turn around at any time because he's God. No, that's wrong. Some would like to believe that God is in control of, of everything. And he's not. He's not. Back in the 80s, I remember Kenneth Hagin, which we affectionately called Papa Hagin, Papa Hagin Sr. He was preaching one night in a packed house. And he was talking about a place. You can get to a place of disobedience in your life. Disobedience to the Holy Spirit where you begin to get into a, a very dangerous, dangerous place where you can move outside of the grace of God. And some guy, you know, yelled out in the crowd. He goes, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. God can do anything. God can turn somebody around quickly because God's in control. And quickly, Brother Hagin turned around. He said, really, if God's in control and if God can make Anybody do whatever they want. How come God can't make you still give your tithe? That guy shut his mouth and slid down his chair. We need apostles like that still in this hour. <laughs> Just like that. I like that. Verse 28, and even they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. This is powerful stuff. So God gave them over. Notice what in verse 24, it says God gave them up. In verse 26, God gave them up. Watch verse 28. God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things that are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality. I mean, we, we could freeze frame right there, ladies and gentlemen. Sexual immorality is rampant in this generation. And I'm going to tell you, you've got to be wearing the full armor of God every single day. Guarding your eyes, guarding your ears, guarding your spirit, man, from the attack of the enemy when it comes to sexual immorality. No one is exempt from sexual temptation. Boy, I got a half a amen there. It's like all the moisture in the room just went out. Where are y'all at? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers. They're backbiters. They're haters of God. Wow. It's just, like, it's just like Paul is writing this right now for us. It's like he just sat down in the summer of 2021 and said, let me write you a letter. They're backbiters. They're haters of God. They're violent. They're proud. They're boasters. They're inventors of evil things. You need to underline that. They're inventors of evil things. You know how crafty these wolves and these snakes right now are trying to get into these schools of education right now. They're inventing, they're building their own pathways and building their own doors to try to get to our kids. You need to understand, the LGBTQ movement, they told us loud and clear in 2020, they sang it and said, we're coming for your kids. How many of you remember that? There you are. They're undiscerning. They're untrustworthy. They're unloving. I'm in verse 31. 
They're unforgiving. They're unmerciful. Who knowing, watch this, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Y'all know birds of a feather, they do what? They flock together. They want to mix and mingle with those who approve of their agenda. And they want to celebrate those who will actually push the envelope even farther and farther and farther. Are you hearing me? Just like they want to get these queer pedophiles into our schools and not tell our parents about anything that's going on. Why? So they can disengage, so to speak, the umbilical cord, and then they can begin to go and masquerade behind closed doors and do whatever they want to do to our precious children. I'm going to tell you right now, we've got to stop this. This is so wicked. They want our five-year-old children. They want our five-year-old children. They want our six-year-old children. I'm telling you, it's like fire in my bones, folks. I, I, I'll tell you, I don't know how, what, what all the Lord's going to call me to do or you to do, but I'm telling you right now, the standard is being raised right now. And truly, there is a transformation that is going on in the church where lambs are becoming lions, and we are going to stand and, and fight this and stop this. It is so time that we confront the works of darkness. It is so time that we confront these works of darkness. It's amazing. It says, for this reason, God gave them up. These are sobering words. God gave them up. Whoa, what? God could put up with so much of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then what happened? He gave them up and judgment came. Wow. He had to put up with so much, so much hell out of Judah, so much hell out of Israel, patient, loving, forbearing. He said, I've held out my arms all day long to you, begging you to come to me, but you would not. And so God gave them up. And then he said to Noah, Noah, I can't take any more of this. Now I have to tell you I have a plan. Noah, I have to have you do this for me. I need you to be a preacher of righteousness. And I have a mighty assignment for you and your family. Because this is what is coming. And God gave them up. But here's what's very sobering. These are the words of Jesus, not Brian. He said, at the time of His coming, it will be exactly like the days of Noah. What is he saying? It will be exactly like the days of Noah where God could not put up with any more. He gave them up and he turned them over to judgment. Oh my. Oh my. Ladies and gentlemen, oh my. And righteous judgment is coming in fullness. And the Lord is going to judge the nations of the earth.
Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. It says, The Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man forever. I want you to write this down. Look at the word strive there. It's also been translated as shield. Study it. God is saying that the Holy Spirit will not always strive. The Holy Spirit will not always shield humanity. So what he's saying in this passage that the Lord's patience was worn out on the people of the earth. So he literally unshielded them. Are you, are you taking hold of that? He unshielded. The Spirit of God is not always going to strive. It's amazing. People can think that they can do whatever they want. And maybe somewhere down the road they're going to get right. The Spirit of God is not always going to strive or shield mankind. And this is where we meet epic tragedy. Romans 1 and 18 again. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. I'm going to give you five things tonight I want you to write down about the wrath, the wrath of God I've never given to you before. I want you to write it down. I'm going to give you five things tonight about the wrath of God. You will either learn these things in your life or you will experience them in your own life in some form or you will actually watch and learn from other people's life concerning the wrath of God. This is seen from Genesis to Revelation. The wrath of God can be seen in these five categories. The first one I want you to write down is cataclysmic wrath. Write it down. Cataclysmic wrath. What is that? These are judgments or they are events in nature or doing with man that causes suffering. According to the Bible, God is keeping us right now inside of His mercy and His grace. God is literally shielding you and I from being destroyed. Did you hear what I said? God is literally shielding. There is so much warfare in the heavens. There's so much warfare in the atmosphere. God in His grace and His mercy, He is literally shielding you and protecting you, keeping you in an hour of unbelievable warfare. The atmosphere is permeated with destruction right now, but yet God is guarding you. He's guarding you from what? Cataclysmic wrath. He's guarding you and me. Cataclysmic wrath is where God literally removes His hand of protection away. We've probably all heard, you know, the example of someone standing underneath the umbrella while the rains and the deluge pour. But then... The the umbrella has moved away, and what happens? Saturation comes. The storm overtakes them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Cataclysmic wrath. What is that? Simple examples are this. It comes by assault. It comes by murder. It comes by natural disaster of some sort. It's cataclysmic wrath. Number two, eschatological wrath. Eschatology is what? Eschatology is the study of the end of days. Eschatology is the study of the end times. What am I saying? It's a, it's a study of Bible prophecy. So write it down. Eschatological wrath. What is that? Eschatological wrath is judgments or events of either nature or man dealing directly with the last days or the end times. What am I saying? It's prophetic in nature. 
This wrath, nothing's going to turn it away. It has already been set in place. It's coming and no one can change it. Acts 2.20, put it in your notes tonight. Acts 2.20, it says the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. It's wrath. Do you understand that? It's wrath. At the same time, there's the spirit of Antichrist. There's false teachers, false prophets. That's wrath in the end times as well. Let me give you another scripture. Revelation chapter 6, verses 16 through 17. Put it in your notes. This is during the tribulation time. It says, and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us. It's, it's going to become so disastrous in the earth. They will be crying out to the mountains and the rocks to fall on them and to destroy them. Stay with me tonight. Don't be distracted. Fall on us or hide Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from, watch these words, the wrath of the Lamb. Woo! Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? There is coming a wrath, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, so as in the days of Noah, it shall be at the coming of the Son of Man. On the other side of this, ladies and gentlemen, God is holding back wrath because His bride, His radiant, beautiful bride is in the earth. But I'm telling you, there is a time where the hand of the Lord will be taken away and so will His bride. And on the other side of it, you mark it down, there is epic judgment coming. I almost said to you in the beginning, and I'm going to tell you tonight, what am I preaching about to you? I'm preaching to you about the wrath of God. Don't run out the door. Number three, circumstantial wrath. Write it down. Circumstantial wrath. What is that? These are judgments or these are events either in nature or in man that are directly related to someone's complete disobedience to God. Someone's complete rejection of the lordship of Jesus. This relates to those that are non-Christians or even to those that are backsliders and get into trouble. I've lived long enough to see so much of the circumstantial wrath. Just as an example, you can see in, in a marriage where a wife goes out of, outside of the covenant. She breaks covenant. She moves into a, adultery. I've, I've seen this in 26 years of ministry. I've seen it. And I've seen men do it. They move outside of their covenant with God. They break outside the barriers of their vows. And then what happens? The, the wife comes back. She's contracted AIDS. She's contracted a sexually transmitted disease. But God restores the marriage and mends the marriage in His grace. In His mercy, God restores them. The blood of Jesus washes them clean. God mends the marriage. He heals their heart. He heals their covenant. And they go on with God. I've seen that. But I've also seen the circumstantial wrath of God. That even though they went on, they went on with the penalty of it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are penalties. That the grace of God is just not going to erase. 
Ethnological wrath. Write it down. Ethnic. This, this deals with nations. I'm talking about national wrath. Ethnological wrath. These are judgments or events that come on nations. Nations that reject God. Hear this tonight. This is sobering stuff. It's nations that literally forget God or they refuse God. And what happens is national wrath starts getting poured out on them. This is all through the Bible. You, you know that, right? This is all through the Bible. Nations that, that deserted God, especially Israel, their story time and time again, where they went, they were committed to God, but then they went running and whoring after other gods. That was not their creator God. They turned themselves to other lovers, to other idols. They began to worship other gods, and then God had to raise up prophets to them. To, to speak to them and cry out against them. You must return to the Lord. You must return to the Lord. Have no other lovers but the Lord. This is all through the Bible. Ethnological. Wrath. It is true that the United States of America has been the most predominant Christian nation in all of history. Yes? That's right. And yet, in the last many decades, we have begun to see wrath in our nation. Even the leadership that we are dealing with. This is, this is scripture, ladies and gentlemen. You can't get away from it. When wicked people would be allowed, when wicked people would be allowed to come in to prominence and leadership, God was even correcting Israel every time. It's happening right now. We're actually experiencing some of the realms of the wrath of God. Y'all with me? As a nation, when you curse God, listen, listen, folks, as a nation, when you curse God, when you curse His Word, when you mock God, when you refuse God, when you try to evict God out of everything. In our society right now, I'm telling you, America is going down a horrific path right now. That's why we desperately must have an awakening and revival and a true reformation unto the Lord. I believe with all of my heart standing here, America shall be saved. But I'm going to tell you, the warfare that we're going to have to endure and go through is going to be very, very intense. Ethnological wrath. What could that look like, Brian? That's national wrath. It could look like other nations attacking our country. It could look like an economy collapse. I'm not into this message, Brian. I'm not into this. I want to escape all this. I want to feel good when I come to church. I'm here to tell you the truth. I'm, I'm, listen. I'm under a compulsion of the Lord to be a messenger from the Lord. I'm here to be a messenger from the Lord. You're not going to stand before God for this message. I'm going to stand before God for this message. I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to stand before God for this ministry. Ethnological wrath could look like other nations attacking us. It could look like an economy collapse or a, a failing of our crops. This is Bible too. That's, that's Deuteronomy 28. 
How about this? How about shortages? Again, what are we talking about? We're talking about when God removes his hand of protection. Guys, this is a very sobering thing. This is a very, very sobering thing. That's why I'm telling you the fire of the intercessors has to be continually burning in this midnight hour, crying out to the Lord for his grace and mercy to prevail and that we win the day for our country. Listen, let let me just tell you very straight. We are asking God to do things that he is expecting us to do. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24 verse 1. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth He has given over to the sons of men. God has given us jurisdiction, dominion, and authority to deal with the territory that He has given to us. God has given us the responsibility. God is, is, God is, oh, heaven is calling and desiring for the true patriots, for the true ecclesia to rise up and save this nation. If you're expecting the Lord to open the heavens over Sarasota and and have just chariots of angels come down and win the war for our children and our legislation and government, you've got another thing coming. He is desiring for us to rise up in the power of the Spirit. You have been mantled. You have been wrapped in the glory. You've been given the authority of God's word. And now he's saying, son, daughter, rise up and speak and drive the devil out. Drive him out. Take your sling, gather your stones, and get to work. I know this word is coming through me intense. Y'all know I love you, right? (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 28. I would encourage you to read that chapter this week. Read it afresh and let the Holy Ghost speak to you. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 15. It says, but it shall come to pass if you do not. Now, now wait, before we read this, who is this? This is Moses, right? Book of Deuteronomy. He's going over. He's going now over the whole years of process in the wilderness and said, he's sitting them down like a father and saying, don't ever forget the things that we have been through in the wilderness and how God has tried us and how God has pruned us and how God has dealt with us. Don't ever forget it because if you do, these curses are going to come upon you. Here's Moses, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. All these curses will come upon you and they will overtake you. Psalm chapter nine, put it in your notes, Psalm nine and verse 17. Are you still with me? You got you got about 10 more minutes left in your tank. I do. I've got it. I've got gas in my tank. It's not the coffee either, but glory to God. While you're turning to Psalm 9, I'm I'm guzzling. Hallelujah. Whoever put chai in that, glory to God. Bless you. 
Now I'm going to preach till midnight. Psalm 9 and verse 17, watch this. The wicked shall be turned into hell. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. Let's, let's go back to Romans 1. He said, I'm going to turn you over. You keep resisting me, rejecting me. I'm going to turn you over. God gave them up. God gave them up. God could literally give up nations that reject him, mock him, try to evict him. God could literally say, okay, enough. Enough. Five, individual wrath. Write it down tonight. Individual wrath. These are judgments and these are events that will come upon people of open and willful disobedience against God and being openly hostile to God. I've seen it. I've seen it. And it's tragic. I want you to write down this question. What is a biblical understanding of the wrath of God? A biblical understanding of the wrath of God. Is, is a wrathful God actually at odds with a loving God? No, I tell you that God is a loving God. He is completely and utterly and a loving Father and a good God. But He is also a God of wrath and a God of righteous judgments. God's righteous, listen, God's righteous judgments are His love. God's righteous judgments are His mercy. See, if the wrath of God is His righteous judgment against sinful humanity, then there's no conflict, there's no contradiction in the nature of God. How many of you understand this, that all of humanity is deserving of punishment? All of humanity is deserving of punishment. And a righteous, hear this tonight, I'm trying to do the best I can. A righteous God would correctly give us what we have earned. Are you listening? But God is also the God of love. He's provided a way of redemption. Through the atoning blood of the Son of God. You know, Jesus and the disciples, even though they taught of the glorious kingdom of God, God's love for humanity, they did not dismiss the wrath of God. Jesus didn't dismiss the wrath of God, and the disciples did not dismiss the wrath of God. Here's Jesus' words, John 3, and you know it, for God so loved the world. Verse 17, he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, look at it, verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. Watch this. But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Read it again. The men, they love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. If they... If they put themselves over in this place, what are they going to do? We're going to stay in our sin, but what are we going to do about the truth? We're going to have to suppress it and fight against the truth and war against the truth so that we can stand in our own self-indulgence and do what we want to do. Are you hearing me? Sis, you need to sit down. You, you grab a seat quickly. 
For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds might be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Folks, there is a condemnation. There is a wrath. There is a full payment coming. But you and I, glory to God, are under the mercy and the grace of the hand of Almighty God. We deserve judgment. Brian Gibbs deserved judgment and full penalty and the wrath of God. But I came under, I came under the glorious covering of the blood of Jesus. And that condemnation was taken away. And how did it happen? When the love of God and the wrath of God met on a brutal cross in Jerusalem and the Son of God hung there and God executed the fullness, the full manifestation of His love and the full manifestation of His wrath. And He said, I'll pay the penalty to remove this condemnation from you. Romans chapter 2. I'm rounding third base. I'm going to slide right into home. Romans 2. Can you go there tonight? Romans 2, verse 1. Are you with me? Therefore you are unexcusable, O man. Who are you? Whoever, excuse me, whoever you are to judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same thing. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. You need to underline that. The judgment of God is always according to truth. You can shout amen right there. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, long-suffering, knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance? How beautiful is that? How can we reject the patience, the forbearance, the loving gentleness of our God? His goodness literally, His kindness leads us to repentance. In accordance to with the hardness of your impenitent heart. I'm in verse 5. You are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. There it is. Who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, wrath, and tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 10. But glory, glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality in God. I mean, that just spells it out right there, friends. God's wrath and God's judgment are both functions of His love. 
Got your thinking cap on? See, that is why, that is why our culture right now is actually crying out for justice. Do you know that the world longs for a God of justice? Why do you think our souls are so vexed with what we see in our society? Because everybody is doing what they, what they think is right in their own eyes. They're corrupting. They're stealing. They're perjuring. They're doing all these things. And what's happening? They're getting away with it. And what's happening in the soul of America? We're crying out, where is the justice? Where is it at? I'm telling you, everybody longs for a God who is just. Everybody longs for a God who is righteous. All of our television shows, all of it, they, they cry out for justice. First Timothy chapter 2, I want you to go there, and this is where we're going to end tonight. God's love and God's justice met on the cross of Christ. I love this. Because God desires that all people are to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Think of that. God desires all to be saved. Did you know if God is in control, then that means all people would be saved, but all people are not going to be saved. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's his desire. He longs for people to come underneath the hand of his righteousness to embrace the blood of Jesus, to embrace the cross. Why? So that we can avoid the wrath and the judgment of God that is to come. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. Somebody say amen. amen. As some understand slowness, instead He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everybody to come to repentance. See, I believe that it is so appropriate to, to place the same amount of emphasis on God's love as I do God's wrath because they're one and the same. We can't gloss over this, my friend. Let me see if you're anything like me and let me see if I'm anything like you. When you're driving down the road and there you are driving down the road. Yeah, you're going for it. You got your bebop, your music on. And then all of a sudden, you see a car that's in the median. It's a white car. And there it is in the grass. And then all of a sudden, you realize that that car has ears on top of it, a red ear and a blue ear. And all of a sudden, as you're driving, what do you do? This leg gets lifted off this, and you go here right away. How, how many of you know that? It doesn't matter if you were going the speed limit or not. Suddenly, all of a sudden, you come to a revelation. Dear Jesus, you go down on array when you leave here. If you're not going 30 miles an hour, brother, you're in trouble. <laughs> how many of you know what I'm talking about? We all do the same thing. As soon as we see it, oh, dear Lord, and we, you know, oh, I was going five over. And then you might do the same thing. What happens is, is once you pass that white car, you're looking in your side, side mirror, this mirror, that side, side, back, side, back, side, back. Am I good? Am I good? Am I good? Am I good? Oh, he's not pulling out. Now I can't see him. And now it's back to, ho, ho, ho. 
Yeah. How do I know that about you? Here's the revelation. Fear can only keep you so long. But love will keep you forever. Did you get it? Did you get it? Fear will only keep you so long. Because if you're running in fear, then what's going to happen? You're going to break it all the time. But if you'll walk in an amazing, all-consuming love, it'll keep you in boundaries. It'll keep you in check. The love will keep you in covenant. The love will keep you in consecration. The love will keep you in integrity. The love will keep you in character. So here we close with two questions. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. Is that still true? Some of you are like, oh, wow, I'm glad he's ending like this. This feels a lot better. This feels a lot better. Man, I, I wish he'd take another sip of that coffee. It's feeling better. Is it true that God is still compassionate? Is he? It's true, isn't he, Josh? He's compassionate. Jeff, is he still gracious? Philip, is he still gracious? He's slow to anger. He's abounding in loving kindness and mercy. It's still true. But then I have to ask you, is this still true? Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And I ask you tonight, is that still true? Oh, it's still true. Cody, if you're in the room, I want you to come. Thank you, brother. Now you can play the keys. You can put your Bibles aside, if you will, tonight. I know that I brought you a lot. I know that this was an intense word. I don't try to be overly intense. It's not my purpose. It's just to try to be true to carry the word that the Lord is pushing through my soul and my heart. It's his word. His word is the final authority. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to live with such a fear of the Lord that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. We want to live with such a fear of the Lord. We don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't quench the Holy Spirit. And we don't move out into a very dangerous place where we start rejecting the Holy Spirit. We start denying the Holy Spirit. We start thinking that we can pivot and just start shuffle and start going this way. No, he's not going to bless it. He's going to say, no, 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 my blessing's right here. My blessing's right here underneath my covering, son. Under the shadow of my wing, you have to abide here. You have to stay here. You have to make this your habitation. Amen. I want us to pray. I want us to bow our heads tonight. I rarely do this, but I want you to bow your heads in just contemplation. And I want to let the word settle tonight.
I want you to look this way. The atmosphere of victory is getting more tangibly pregnant with the glory of God and the fire of God. And it's real, isn't it? The holiness of Jesus has been in this place amongst us this entire night. And it just seems like the more we're gathering, the more it's increasing and increasing and increasing. This is part of the foundations of revival, what I'm preaching to you. It's the fear and the honor of the Lord. Because if you, if you and I don't get this, we can have a whole lot of people come and they'll just keep living dangerous lives and grieving the Holy Ghost. They'll just love the presence of God and they'll go out of the presence of God and live like a bunch of yo-yos. A lot of people love the presence of God, but they're not even connected to the heart of God. You can love the presence and not love the heart of God. You can love the presence and not be a covenant woman. You can love the presence and not be a covenant man. If we don't get this right, are you hearing what I'm saying? This is all about laying the foundations for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that when people come in here, they meet the burning furnace of the love of God. Folks, the fire of God is the love of God. The fire of God is the love of God. When people walk into the burning, what happens? When they come under the covering of the Holy Spirit, what does He do? He brings conviction of sin. This is important. I never, ever want to stop being convicted of sin. I pray this. I pray this all the time. Holy Spirit, convict me of anywhere that I'm grieving you or something I shouldn't have said, something I didn't do or should have done. Or Are you hearing what I'm saying? I pray this way. I live this way. I practice what I preach. I want to live with conviction. And I want to live with humility. You know, you can be intense and be humble. You don't have to walk in false humility and something, you know, fake so that everybody thinks, oh, he's so sweet. That guy's so nice. Sometimes we think that God's putting gold stars on the fridge by our name because we're sweet a lot of sweet and nice Christians that don't do anything. They don't get anything done. And they think they're doing God a favor by attending church. Oh my. Now I'm going to preach another message. No, I'm not. I'm not. Let God have us in His grip tonight. Let God have us in His grip tonight. So that we live a holy life, a clean life. And that God is able to protect and preserve us from the wrath that is yet to come. You know that you and I are not appointed under wrath. We're appointed unto salvation. The, 
bride of Christ is appointed to a wedding that is soon to come. This world is appointed unto a wrath that is soon to come, but the bride of Christ is appointed to a wedding that's about to appear. Let's stand tonight. Let's put our hands out to receive right now. Let's just be bold. Let's be bold men. Let's be bold men. Let's be bold women tonight. And let's pray. Let's pray over our lives and our souls that we honor God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we fear the Lord. That we fear the Lord. That we honor the Lord with our lives. Lord, may the blood of Jesus flow in this house like a river. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus flow like a river. The blood of Jesus cleanse and wash away sins. Wash away sin. Oh, God, that there would be nothing in our lives that would be offensive to you, God, that we can walk before you as sons and daughters, pleasing unto you, delighting ourselves in you, God, feeling the delight upon our lives from heaven. Father, tonight I pray for our city and our region and Florida. I pray, Lord, for the territory that you have given us as a tribe, as a family, as a company. God, that we will be responsible men and women of God. That we would be the ones who remove the darkness and the judgments that are to come. That we would be the releasers of the life of God, the power of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the testimony of truth, the testimony of truth and righteousness preached to this region. That it will win souls everywhere, everywhere that they'll come from the north, south, east, and west to come under the umbrella of safety and covering that they'll literally get in the ark while there's still time. They'll get in the ark of Christ and that they'll come from everywhere, Lord. We pray it. We pray it in the name of Jesus that mercy will triumph over judgment. That mercy would triumph over judgment for America. God, that you would stay your hand upon our country. That you would remember mercy tonight, God. Remember mercy. Pray with me, church. Pray with me. Don't just listen to the prayer I'm praying. Pray it with me. Be in agreement with it. God, we ask for mercy. We ask for mercy and mercy and mercy and grace to prevail over America in this hour. That your hand would be stayed upon the United States of America. That your hand would protect the East Coast to the West Coast. And that you would never let go of us, God. That you would never turn us loose, oh God. Keep America in your grip, oh God. Save us, O oh God. 
Save us, oh God. Make America godly again. Make America godly again. Oh, make America clean. Make America clean, oh God. Wash us from our sin, oh God. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, pour yourself out. Sons and daughters of God, arise, arise, arise. Sons and daughters of God, arise. Hear the sound of the trumpets. That the word of the Lord would be in your mouth. Be like a fire in your belly. A fire in your belly. A fire shut up in your bones. The word of the Lord in your mouth. Irrefutable truth that your enemies could not contradict. If you're under conviction of the Holy Spirit in this room, just cry out to God and say, God, I repent of my sins. I ask you to wash me clean right now. If you're under any level of conviction in your life, just say, God, wash me clean. Wash me clean. I renounce the sin. And He'll do it. Oh, He's faithful. He'll do it. He'll purge you. He'll cleanse you. He'll wash you. The blood still works. The blood still triumphs. prayer team to begin to prepare themselves they know what that means just prepare yourself get ready to serve the people love the people God's not done tonight hallelujah we're about to open these altars and God's going to move in power hallelujah say it with me God's going to move in power God's going to move in power hallelujah we're ready to pray for you tonight if you need a miracle in your life if you need a miracle in your body if you need a miracle in your family we're going to pray for you we're going to pray for you tonight. We're going to see God move. I want our, our team to begin to just place themselves on the altar. Just get ready. I want to speak to those that have been watching tonight online. Are we still online, Nathan? We're still streaming. We're flowing. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, those of you that have been online with us tonight, that the fire of the Lord would burn in your heart. The fire of the Lord would burn in your home. There are people, we've been told, there's people watching us from all over America getting into these services. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit upon you, the fire of the Lord upon you. We speak healing. We speak miracles. We speak deliverance. We speak breakthrough and prosperity over your life in the name of Jesus. Tonight, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, we just, we call upon you as we're about to pray and minister to lives right here. Tonight, that miracles will be loosed. Lord, as the team lays their hands upon those in need tonight, 
that you will meet needs. You will break chains. You will bring breakthrough and healing in Jesus' name. You will baptize in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. Lift your hands right now. I pray that tonight over the house. A fresh baptism of fire. The fire of the Lord. In Jesus' name. If you have any need tonight, you want those that have come to pray for you. I want you just to begin to slip out now. We're not in a hurry to leave. For the rest of you, my wife and I love you. We bless you. We're so thankful that you're coming to victory. Good night.